So, um, I'm back from South Africa, and uh, thank you for your support while I was away, and uh, praying for me, and prophesying, and all sorts of things. I, I told you I was, I, was, I was tired before I went, and, um, and I, I landed in very busy, very busy, uh, so I actually did seven days non-stop teaching, preaching, morning to evening, um, and, uh, and so, but uh, definitely needed God with me, and um, so on the, just before the first session of the first uh, three-day block, I did a three-day block of training church leadership teams, and then I did a two-day heaven and healthcare conference in Durban, and then two days up in Joburg, uh, introducing Johannesburg, uh, heaven and healthcare to Johannesburg. So I was, I was sitting on the, the, the Tuesday, uh, worshipping, enjoying G- Jesus, and getting myself ready for the, this session coming ahead of me, or the sessions. And, um, and I opened my eyes, and the front of my, my trousers were completely covered in the sparkly stuff. Now, we, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like glitter, uh, but God just creates it out of nothing and, and plays with it. Um, he, he does, and he, he creates it, he takes it away, and you'll see stuff around here, and it's, it's just a fun thing. Um, think, well, why does he do that? Uh, because he can, um, and because he wants to, and because he, he likes to show up. And it's, for me, it was just a, a sign of his presence with me. Um, and uh, so we're used to that here at Eastgate. Um, and uh, so I thought, right, right God's here, um, which was encouraging. So I told people a little bit about it, and uh, I, I, I refuse to explain it in terms of what it means because it's God, basically, and it's a sign that he's here. And if he's here, anything's possible. So I thought, okay, this is good. Um, I preached that first evening, and basically I preached to get people f- to understand that they already are free from something. They are they're free to be living in the goodness and the greatness of God. Um, and I prayed for them to tear down any strongholds that would try and keep them living in the past rather than in the present and in the future. Did that, um, and uh, at the end of the time, because the, not, not just on my trousers, this sparkly stuff, it was actually covering the chairs either side of me. Um, and what was interesting, there was none of it on the back side of me. So it was, it was just, on, just on the front side of me. So, so it wasn't, so it was, yeah, it was, it was really just one of those. It was a sign that made me wonder. Um, and uh, at the end of that Tuesday, some of the guys, uh, well, some of the people, came and sat around the area where I, I had been um, just to enjoy God for, for, for a period of time. Um, and uh, then this was the story after, isn't it? The next morning I get there, and a, uh, a guy, uh, just going in, he said, Hi, Pete. This guy's about 40 years old, and he said, I had a really good night's sleep last night. I thought, oh, good, well done, excellent. That's um, and um, later in the day, he came up to me and said, Look, Pete, I need to explain to you why I told you I had a good night's sleep last night. Um, and it's about 40, as I said, this guy. And he said, look, two years ago, my twin brother died of cancer. And that has filled me with fear and anxiety, and I haven't been able to sleep properly for over two years now. And uh, he said, I came and sat in the chair, and the peace of God just enveloped me. And I went to bed and to sleep in peace, and I slept through the whole night. And I've now got the peace of God guarding my heart and mind. See? So what's that about? That's about God. God's presence, setting somebody free from... Isn't that beautiful? So, so he's, he's amazing. I did get, I, I'll tell you this a bit, I can't put a disclaimer on it, because later on they were, they were talking about this, and, they, they, and um, in English these are trousers. In South African they're pants. And so when I caught them, found, I said, well, hey Pete, you remember when you, your pants were all glittery? <laughs> 
I said, hold, stop, stop there. But, uh, <laughs> I'm just glad this isn't being broadcast back to Eastgate and the UK. I, I will be in all sorts of trouble if you, if, 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 and I don't know what Kim's going to think if everybody's talking about Pete's sparkly pants. So, so, <laughs> so I said, so trousers, the English trousers. I, I, don't know what, I don't know why the Americans and the South Africans do that to our language, but they do. They think. I said, I, my, my pants are hidden. My pants are hidden. So, so, so yeah. Yeah, there we go. So that's part, part of the fun I had. Um, had a great time in, that was there in, in, in Durban, then up to Johannesburg. And, um, and really, so, you know, the main bulk of what I was doing was in Durban and having a healthcare conference. The second one we'd done was pushing that on. Um, then went up to Johannesburg, basically to do just a sort of a, a, a taste evening for anybody who was interested in the, uh, heaven in healthcare up in city. Now it's a city of eight million people, um, and uh, so we lined this this meeting up, um, and uh, it was extraordinary what happened. Really, um, I can't go into all the details for various reasons, but um, one of the ladies there, she's a lady, she commissions hospitals, so that's a quite a big deal in, in healthcare, and she said when she got the email uh, inviting her to come to this meeting at somebody's house, this was her response. She said. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you haven't forgotten me. Isn't that amazing? And then she came to the evening meeting and she said that my dreams come alive. I've had this dream for so many years, but it's, it's basically been dead for years. But now it's... And I just want to say is that, see that God wants to blow on, on the embers of dreams and bring them alive again. So you've got such dreams for healthcare and... What I ended up with was actually an opportunity to influence and work alongside, I think, uh, the city of Johannesburg. And I'd like you to pray into that. You're going to pray for things, and I'm, you know, I can't go into great more details than that. But um, So something opened up, and it was hard, so much more than I had asked or imagined. I just thought I was going for an evening meeting with a few folks who'd be maybe interested, and phew, suddenly this has opened up, and I'm having to follow through on that right now. So pray for wisdom on that. Um, Another thing I do, could you bring the Eastgate map up? Um, so if you've been around Eastgate um, recently, then you might be familiar with this. Um, Joe Carter introduced this to you a few weeks ago when they were talking about all the finances and stuff of Eastgate. This is a structural sort of diagram of how Eastgate works, and I was using it a lot while I was in South Africa. Um, and uh, basically what was interesting, that they got hold. If you, the blue stuff, blue circle, is that, that is basically um, an example. That's our culture. This is a culture within which our internal reality sits, but affects, affects our external reality. Okay. So the internal reality of Eastgate is expressed in the sort of the, the yellow bits, and the external in the green and pink, and those are sort of things. But actually, the blue is the culture that we sit in, which is an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching culture. All those fivefold ministries you read in Ephesians for actually creating the culture in which we live. And I found it's quite interesting that actually in South Africa, as I was using this, they, um, they got hold of it and they said, oh, right, okay, so you don't have an apostolic department. I said, no, we don't. We have an apostolic church. You don't have a prophetic department. No, I said, we have a prophetic church. It's, it, all these things, all these things are there to equip all of us to do the works that Jesus has called us to do. And not just internally, but externally. So there's, there's, we, we gather together to be fed, equipped, but actually there's a world to reach and change. And all that stuff around the outside is, is some of the stuff that we're getting on, on with. Um, and one of the things I said, because 
it, one of the sort of challenges for some people was, was I kept on, you know, the, the art, people always they say, who's pastoring the church? As if that's the only gift that works internally. And I said, actually, you know, the pastoral circle doesn't sit inside the other circle. It sits with all the other ministries there to equip the saints so they can be the fullness of Christ. And not just here, enjoying God, but actually changing the world. Okay? That makes sense. Now, now, if you're part of Eastgate, <coughs> you will be f- fit in one of these boxes, if not more than one. No. Yeah? So what I want you to know is that if you see yourself somewhere on that diagram, you're helping me change the world. You're helping to change the world. Because actually a nation was getting hold of this and shaping their thinking around it. And the feedback I've had so far said that actually a lot of the churches are now trying to do, and they want to keep connection with me and us, to know how you build churches like this and create great churches and impact the cities in which we live. So, there we go. So I had an exciting time. I came home absolutely knackered, um, to be honest. Um, I was almost incoherently tired. Um, I was useless for two days, which as Kim would tell you, um, which is pretty unusual for me. I can be useless from time to time, but I don't know. <laughs> but, but that useless was, was, was a bit unusual. So um, Now, what happened in my, in my travels recently, because I've been travelling quite a lot, as you know, and what do you know? Boy, golly, do I love being home. Um, and this is my home. What a church we've got. I hope you enjoy Eastgate, and um, I certainly do, and I miss you when I'm not here, and, uh, and I just love being back back here and enjoying my church family, and I had a great church family weekend last weekend. Um, I know some of you were here, but I was there in church, just having a great time with, with, with a lot of us who were enjoying the sunshine and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but what I've noticed, and it's, it's, there's something I've been teaching here, again, I've been teaching out there that's having a massive impact, which is about the concept of a river and the river that, sh- that if a river gets polluted it, it doesn't carry life you remember I talked about the river Thames was declared biologically dead in 1957 uh, and now it's a river that, that actually teems with life um, and the Bible talks about our river wherever our river flows there will be life but that's not always true you know actually if, if we allow our river to be polluted uh, then just like the river Thames it can become incapable of, of sustaining life. Um, and one of the big things I've seen uh, as I've been traveling around is, is a thing I'm, I call false humility. And I'm going to talk about that now. So I've got you know, 20 odd minutes just to try and get your brain going on this. Because what I see is it's, it's, it's there in pretty much every nation, culture that I, 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 I go to. It's a, it seems to be a very common um, spiritual uh, stronghold tactic of the enemy to, to keep us. And I want to try and explain to you why it's actually, I think, such an important thing to recognize and then to destroy it. Because the Bible tells us that we need to destroy strongholds that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. Okay, So that, that's, that's in Corinthians. It's a, so the devil will set things up, and their mindsets, their, their ways you think, they set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So they stop people knowing God as he is. Yeah? They, 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 they give people false beliefs around the nature and the reality of God. And the false beliefs about ourselves and what we can do for God. So false humility is something that will basically keep you down rather than build you up. And, and it's, it's, it's called various things in different cultures. So uh, tall poppy syndrome, if you've ever heard of the tall poppy syndrome. In the Faroese, what is it, Paul? Yantala. Okay, there we go. That's what it's called in the Faroe. They've got a specific name for it in the Faroe, in the Faroe Islands. So it's, it's, um, um, 
but I would say it's really prominent as well in British society. Um, so, um, now, um, just before we bring the next thing up, if the, there's a bit in the Bible that tells you to test your own actions, okay? Now, if I say to you, right, as a Christian, I want you to test your own actions. Okay, Sam, get ready. Test your own actions. Okay, just think about that. What is it you think is the outcome that you're going to do from, from, from testing yourself as a Christian? If you regard yourself, if you, if you put yourself under appraisal, if you assess yourself how you're doing with your Christianity, which way do you think you're going to lean? Is it going to be towards, hey, I'm great, or I've got, or I've got room for improvement? Seriously, just think, which way would you tend to lean with that question? Okay, so if we bring up the, the what, this is what the Bible's got to say about this, okay? Each one should test their own actions. Then, what happens? They can take pride in themselves. How's that? Bit different? Alone. <laughs> this is how God wants you to be. Able to look upon your life and take delight in it. If you substitute the word delight there, okay? So uh, we've had four youngsters baptized this morning. What a delight. We pr- proud of those kids, are we? We are, aren't we? Do you see what I mean? This, we're proud of our youngsters who brought out these amazing prophetic words. Do you understand? We're proud in them. We're taking great delight in who they are and what they're doing. That's right. That's a, that's a father's heart. That's a parent's heart, isn't it? So what do you think our Father in heaven thinks of us? See, he takes delight in us. He, he takes great pleasure in us. <clears throat> you know, he, it's, the Bible tells us that he formed us for his pleasure. He thought of you before the foundation of the world. It says, actually, in Ephesians chapter 1, because of his pleasure and for his pleasure. God takes delight in you. <clears throat> so the problem we have is when we actually choose to knock ourselves down from that place of delight in ourselves and in other people, where we try and keep ourselves at what we call the lowest common denominator with nobody actually achieving greatness. And the reason that we're, we, we try and do that is because we're actually really concerned uh, in Christians about being proud. Now, that is understandable because the Bible actually says that God opposes the proud. And I always thought, hmm, don't fancy God on the opposition. Not likely to win that, that battle. God says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Okay. So, what, what you see is actually you have to work out what pride is that's good pride. And then there's bad pride. And then there's good humility and there's Bad humility, they, they go together. Um, and it's, <clears throat> now I've got a whole sermon that I did on that, and you can find it on the website. Um, it's called Pride and Humility. Um, but the key issue is this. See, without comparing themselves to somebody else. So if we've got these four kids out here that have done their testimonies, and the parents are taking delight, but then one, one set of parents thought, hmm, my kid did the best testimony. <laughs> You're really amazing, my kid. Most others, not bad, but my kids, ooh, you should see my kid. <clears throat> Once we set ourselves up in a comparison, then we, we enter, we go across a line into, from delight into actually a pride that is damaging. Because you can see that. As soon as you say, so if, if one of those parents goes up and says, hey, yeah, lovely seeing your child baptized, but I thought my, my kid's testimony was a bit better than your kid's. 
what you, what you immediately set up is relational conflict, don't you? It's damaging. Do you see? It's, that is damaging. But if you go, hey, man, your, your kid's amazing. That's a, what a testimony they gave. Was that? So we enter into the delight of each other. Then we increase the delight. Now, so what, but the problem with false humility is it tries to knock everybody down and take away delight. Um, and I'll tell you, we're geniuses at doing it in, in the UK. So, for instance, when somebody tells you to do a good job, when you say, nah, it wasn't anything. <laughs> That's actually false humility. Somebody tries to encourage you. And uh, say, well, actually, it's really, it was Jesus. <laughs> Probably not. Probably you. Hopefully in the strength of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, but actually, got news for you, Jesus isn't here. <laughs> he is by the power of his spirit, but actually, he works through us, doesn't he? And um, the problem we get is, is what I call superiority and inferiority, when we start to compare. And this is, I think, I want you to get hold of this phrase, because I think it, it's, it sums up what I'm trying to get at, is that, you know, we're, we're equal but different. Okay? So being different is good. So you can look at people and take delight in the differences around. And it's really good. See, I'm really pleased that I've got different parts of my body. (laughs) It really helps. So I look at a hand and think, wow, that's a great hand. Why aren't you a foot? (laughs) You understand? And the Bible talks about that. So so there's a delight in every part. And, And Jesus takes delight in his body, every part. And we need to, to value and delight in every part of his, his body. And that's how you build great churches. And um, so I never believe that anybody is superior in this place and nobody's inferior. We're just different. I don't regard myself as superior. I've just got a gift that I want to use to the best of my ability to serve people. Okay, so if we go on to um, <clears throat> uh, Matthew 20. Here we go. Oh, you've got there ahead of me. Now, this is a story that's, that's fascinating, really. So, if you're not familiar with this story, the context is that James and John's mum had come to Jesus and said, um, Jesus, just got a little, little request, if you don't mind. When, you, when, you know, when we get into the eternal realities, um, my boy on your left and the other boy on your right. How's, how's that? Um, how's that? How's that? Can, can you sort that out for us? You see, what's going on there is probably a mum's sort of ambition and stuff with... Probably the son's going along with it, thinking, hmm, yeah, because actually they're probably the two special ones amongst this 12. And we're just getting our request in early because we'd really like that spot there because actually eternity is going to be a long time and we want one of the best seats, if you don't mind. And uh, uh, <laughs> Now the other 10 get indignant. Now, why do you think they get indignant? It says this. They didn't think of it first. So the 10 heard about it. So they were indignant with the two brothers. So, so that, do you see what's going on? You've got conflict. Why? Because actually there's two trying to be special and you can be kind of special but we've already got the, the best seats booked. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and the high officials exercise authority over them. And that just goes to show that um, <clears throat> there is a sort of way that people go about things that, that Jesus is cutting across. But he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now, what I just want you to get hold of there is, does Jesus encourage you to want to be great? 
It does. You don't say, if you want to be great, forget it. Now, if you want to be great, this is what greatness looks like in the kingdom of heaven. It's serving other people. Use what you've got to serve other people. And if we all do that, then we'll have an amazing thing going on. Because we're all different. So there's all sorts of different options. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about the Eastgate map. It just keeps on growing out there because there's all sorts of ideas that are coming. It's literally unlimited where that map could go and reach. And as I said, I went to Johannesburg thinking I was going for a small meeting and I've come back with a, wow, I'm not quite sure what to do with all that. I'm, I'm actually having to recalibrate quite a lot of things I have done in the last 10 days. I'm, and I'm talking to some people about that. So my mind is working overtime. Um, I'll give it a holiday soon and that'll be nice. And, then I'll come back and have another go at it. Um, but Jesus, Jesus says, actually, well, if you want to be great, this is how you do it. Not, don't think you can be great. So how many of you want to be great? Amen. Let me start to break this false humility nonsense, yeah? So what you do is you use what you've got to serve other people. Um, now, what I want to talk about is, is in this thing, is confidence as well. Because... Um, there's a massive difference between confidence and arrogance. Okay? But within Christianity, people who are confident are often accused of being arrogant. That is another tactic of the enemy to keep us in false humility. Okay? Now, I've, I've, I've lost track of how many times I've been told I'm arrogant. Now, it's possible for me to be so. Oh, it's not impossible. I'm, from time to time, I might slip into that. But actually, a lot of people confuse my confidence for arrogance. Yeah? So I was uh, giving an example of this. Um, most of you know that I'm a doctor, medical doctor. And I want you to imagine if, if when my patients came in to see me, before we start, I said, I just need to know something. I want to let you know something before I start. I just, I'm not a very good doctor. <laughs> just before we, I just want to get this all clear. Just before we get going, so, so you know, I'm be, I want to be completely open and humble and transparent. And I'm just not very good at this. And how can I help you? Do you see how ridiculous that is? Well, we're not very good at this Christianity lot. Jesus, he was really good at it, but us, we're, phew, yeah. we just wait for heaven to come, you know. <laughs> you, not, what happens then is, is, well, number one, that person would find a different doctor. They would. And the bits, what, I'm, what I am good at would be inaccessible. See, I am not a good surgeon because I'm not a surgeon. But I'm a good GP. And the tragedy of people, a lot of Christians get defined by what they're not rather than what they are. And so do not allow anybody to define you by what you're not. Okay? So, if we go on to uh, Acts chapter 3. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. <coughs> Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, <coughs> where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This guy is hoping for money. That's what he's about. This is his daily existence. Just needs some money. Beg, beg, beg. Hope to get money. <coughs> and that's what he was hoping for. And he'd been do done that. You know, he was lame from birth. That's, he's never known anything else. Um, when he saw Peter and John, about 20, he asked them for money. Okay. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, and keep it on this page, don't flip it over. Peter said, no, no, whoop, keep it on. 
Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Now, that's an okay statement. I want to let you know. If you haven't got it, you can't give it. And it's really important to understand what you haven't got. And be confident. You haven't got it. Um, I, I was born again when I was 16. And one of the first things I realized was that all Christians played the guitar. That, that was it. Everybody played a guitar. So I thought, well, I've, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a guitar. I bought one home from Spain on holiday. Did anybody else do that? We have a Spanish guitar. I'm not sure it was a very good guitar. Um, so, and, uh, so I got this guitar out. I thought, I've got to learn how to play this thing now. So anyway, I got a book. And I thought, the issue is, actually, I couldn't play it. I couldn't even tune it. Now, pe- now there are people, people, people don't believe me when I say I'm no good at music. They say, oh, I'm sure, yes, you are. You're, you're, no. I'll tell you, I'm not. <laughs> right. And I know these kind people, so uh, people are trying to be nice to me and say, no, no, no you, you, you probably know more music than you think. I don't. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm completely confident that I don't have that because I can't even tune a guitar. I can't even tell if one note's higher or lower than another. And people say, oh, of course you can. I said, I can't. I, I really can't. <laughs> I know you can, so you can do that. I can't, so I haven't got this to give. Now, we do have a running joke here that that the the worship team will let me up there one day with a guitar. (laughs) But I think I'm going to be on mute. (laughs) Because I just haven't got it. Do you know, that is okay. If you haven't got it, you can't give it. But it's fine. I want you to be totally confident in what you haven't got. Because you'll stop worrying about it then. And then you concentrate on what you have got. Because the next bit is this, flip over. But what I do have, I give you. See, I can give you what I've got. I can't give you what I haven't got. On the, on the, on the map, you're not everything in Eastgate. But you're something. And the bit you've got, you can give. You can serve. And that's what it looks like to be great. I'm confident. If I'm confident in this, I can serve you with it. If I think I'm rubbish, then you won't access it. If I worry so much about what I haven't got, you know what? I won't give away what I have got. Christianity is not meant to be focused on what you haven't got. It's what you have got. Now, how many of us can do this next bit? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. There, that's available for anyone who has faith in Jesus. You can't discount yourself. So, oh, I'm not, I'm not one of those. Actually, Jesus said, yeah, you can be. All you need is faith in me. So most of the kingdom opens up to you simply by having faith in Jesus. Yeah. You know, this, this side of the equation is a whole lot bigger than the I haven't got bit. This bit, this bit literally goes on forever. Isn't that beautiful? This is an expansion. <laughs> so there was a time uh, in, um, when I was doing a surgery... And this guy came in to see me, and he had um, a very nasty-looking lump that I was pretty certain was cancer. Um, and we were dealing with that uh, from the medical point of view, and, what, and we were chatting while I was just doing the necessary paperwork. And he asked me what I'd, I did most of my time, because I didn't work most of the time as a doctor. He said, what do you normally, where do you normally work, doc? I said, well, oh, do you really want to know? And he said, yeah, I'd like to know. I said, well, what I do is I travel around the world uh, teaching people about Jesus and doing miracles. And he said, so can you do miracles? I said, yeah. He said, have you got any stories? I said, no, you've got Yeah, here's some stories. And then he said, so can you do a miracle for me? So what do you think I said? Oh, no, I'm not very good at miracles. <laughs> just being not really humble, I just want to let you know. I 
no, Jesus is really great, but me, I'm not so good at that. No, I said, um, sure. So he asked me to pray for him. Pray for him, took 10 seconds. And uh, cut a long story short, four months later I got a report that when he went to the hospital, there was no lump, there was no cancer. He was completely clear. <laughs> See, what false humility will do, will tell you, oh, you can't be that confident. Every, everywhere I go, if I tell that story, people laugh because they I'm not sure you're allowed to say you, you can do miracles. That sounds very arrogant. You just, did you just hear him? He said he can do miracles. Oh, that Pete. He's a bit arrogant. No, that's confident. Because these signs will follow those who believe. Mark 16. You'll drive out demons, you'll heal the sick. This is normal. We need to be confident in the normal of Christianity. And false humility is a stronghold that will come against us to, to, to rob us, not just rob us, but rob, us, rob the world around us of the resources that we have in Jesus Christ. See, what I have, I can give to you. If I don't think I've got it, I won't make it accessible, even though it's true. Yeah? False humility is a lie. It's a powerful one. It, and from what I can make out, it's manifest in every culture that I've been across. It just gets manifest in different ways, in different places. And uh, I'd like us to destroy it. So Patrick's agreeing. We're going to kill it, aren't we, Patrick? We, I like, I'd like you to dislike this intensely, okay? Because so, 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 we're not meant to tolerate the devil's schemes. Because he comes to rob and steal and destroy. And that's not okay. And this is one of his tactics. And I'd like you to stand up and join with me in destroying this stronghold. I want you to get it in your mind, the desire to be great. Do you want to be great in the kingdom? Amen. Should we do that again? you want to be great in the kingdom? Yes. Good then you're going to serve a lot of people. <laughs> That's what it means to be great. Serve a lot of people. Don't get... Don't start to compare yourself with anybody else. Just do whatever God's put in front of you. Do it well. Do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do it trust in Jesus. Jesus is our example. Truly humble. Jesus declared himself, I am humble, truly humble, truly great so Jesus we now stand against this stronghold of false humility that will try and reduce us to anything less than you've called us to be Father we will encourage one another and we will receive encouragement (laughs) Father I pray you'd give us spiritual awareness that we would see this enemy scheme for what it is and we'd be aware of it and we would take it down this is what the Bible says you destroy strongholds by taking every thought captive every time they get a thought that tries to drive you lower rather than higher you need to reject it every thought that drives you to compare yourself with somebody else in an inferior way or a superior way I want you to reject it 
Okay? If you compare yourself in an inferior way to others, you are creating a superior reality in your mind. It has to be. The two have to go together. Father, we embrace equal but different. Thank you that we are equal in your eyes. We're all seated with you in heavenly places if we've been born again. We're sons and daughters of the living God. But we have unique giftings. There are things we don't have and things we do. And Father, we want to be confident in both those two realities. Father, we thank you for each other. Thank you for the amazing, amazing people that are around us. Yes, come on. And then I want you to do this. Thank you that I'm amazing as well. (laughs) Because you've made me to be that way. (laughs) And you want me to be great. Well, the Bible said, Jesus said this, John 14, verse 12, anyone who has faith in me will do the works I've been doing and greater works. Isn't that amazing? That we are called to do greater works than Jesus. It doesn't make us greater than him. We're not comparing ourselves to Jesus. He is the name above all names. He always will be. But this is Jesus calling on your life that you will do even greater works than he did. And we will change the world together. Amen. Amen.